Hey everyone, this is Josh from Solopreneur Grind for episode 89 of the Solopreneur Grind podcast. I'm really happy to be joined by Swire Ho, the promo guy. Swire, thanks for coming on the show today. Good to be happy to be on the show, Josh. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. I want to learn a lot more of what goes into that hashtag that you have up on, on the screen. <laughs> for those who are listening, it's Swireho, hashtag the promo guy. Can you tell everybody just a little bit more about yourself and what you're working on these days? Great. Uh, again, my name is Swire. You know, uh, I kind of have our, you know unusual first name. So I kind of make a hashtag called the promo guy. As the name can probably hint to that, I'm in uh, promotional product industry. And the name uh, of our my company is Garuda Promo and Branding Solution. Uh, so people always think that when I talk about promotional product, they think about, uh, you know, a common use term called swag, which mm -hmm. actually stands for stuff we all get. I don't use that term because I think that promotional product is not something that you just give away randomly. I believe that you know a promotional item, if you use correctly, can help uh, imp impress prospect that you have. You can also build a brand uh, that you have. And the ultimate goal, if we've done it uh, successfully, is to turn your current client into your mini advocates for your brand and your company. They will actually engage and speak on behalf of you without you paying them. Absolutely. And it's a great point because, I mean, I've gotten plenty of swag that has gone right into the garbage. And then I've gotten, you know, probably like 10 to 20% of that swag, which some of which like, for example, like this pen I got from a previous client of mine and it came with like, not just any notepad, you know, like it's so, it's so common. You get like the casual notepads. Everyone has a hundred. You probably throw out half of them, but it was like a very cool kind of like to do almost like agenda thing. And it was just all packaged really well. And that's something that you keep and other people see and, and you know, it reminds you of the company. So I, I totally agree. Uh, so Swire, I, I do want to deep dive into that stuff, but first I want to learn a little bit more about your background. What, what was, you know, what was your education in? What was the beginning of your professional career like? Well, let's go back all the way to the beginning. I, I was trained and worked it as a recording engineer. So I was in the music industry. So hmm. uh, along the way, uh, before I started my first company, I worked for uh, a small studio. And on the day of my honeymoon, I found out that the company that I worked for went on a business. So I'm newly wet, you know, going on my honeymoon and found that you don't have a job. So what, what am I going to do? So I actually uh, find I know some of the client I have good relationship with. I know the vendor, vendors just want to get paid. You know, they, they said that if you purchase, obviously we're going to sell it to you. So I just actually picked up the business that we're in, which is in CD and DVD replication. Strangely enough, you know, we don't remember physical media anymore. But then at that time, it was um, 2003. Uh, we still buy a lot of CDs and DVDs. So along the way, uh, we work with a lot of uh, record company film studio and they will go on tour after they finish the CD album. They ask, can you do CDs? Uh, can you do uh, merchandise for us? Can you do t-shirt hats that we can sell on tour? Or when they do premiere, can you uh, do giveaway bags that we can give away to the VIPs? And I said, yes, that's somehow we got dabble in that industry. And in 2013, uh, we kind of in hindsight uh, see the downtrend for fiscal media. So we sold a CD DVD company to a local competitor. And then we kind of like the model with promotional product because they're always going to be someone who are proud enough of the company 
to put their logo on uh, merchandise. So this is what we focus on uh, exclusively right now. So it didn't turn out this way, didn't study for it, but then mm -hmm. somehow it ended up to be in this industry. Yeah, it's funny how things work. And, and I've definitely noticed a theme there where, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs are not doing right now what they thought to do or set out to do 10, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, but just by kind of keeping your options open, looking for opportunities, it, it ends up working out in the end. But Swire, I, I want to go back to that beginning a little bit more. Uh, the company lets you go. What was the thought process? Like, was it the next day you were like, boom, you know, time to start my own company? Or like, what was that thought process and timeline like between uh, realizing you didn't have a job and actually what effectively was starting your first company, right? It was, I kept thinking about it during the honeymoon. Obviously, you know, want to have a good time. You got to, you know, marry to my wife. And, uh, but then always it's in your mind, right? So <laughs> it's kind of strange. But then I thought about, you know, this is something that I can do. You know, in sales, I was, you know, not as good uh, as before. So in the beginning, it's kind of scary. You know, I talked to uh, some of the clients that, you know, like me and enjoy working with me. And I told them that I wanted to start out on my own. And then they were skeptical before because right now we have the process, you know, we have the structure, like uh, you, you're by yourself now. Can you deliver that? You know, it took me quite a, quite a while to convince them. But at the same time, uh, I didn't know any better. I uh, put a list for all the, I'm in Los Angeles. So a uh, list of record label a set of uh, you know film company that are local here in LA. There's a lot of them. I actually co-call most of the people. If you were in LA at that time and you listed at a record label or film company, I've called you. Mm -hmm. So actually, my record is a hundred co-call for a day. So a lot of mistakes made, but then also learn a lot. I also learn how to um, to the point uh, very quickly. I also understand that by the tone that they pick up the phone. Uh, how willingly they're going to be talking to me because there are people who can talk to you for anything for like half an hour, but you know, they're busy executive. Just, they will just hang up on you. So I picked up on that and I can learn that by the tone that they talk, are they care about price or they care about the packaging or they care about uh, the uniqueness of the packaging. So um, you know, got a little better at the end. So that's kind of how jumps out everything and, you know, didn't really have any formal training, but then, uh, it, I learn on, on the go. Absolutely. Do you have any tips then? Let, let's say someone is starting out on their own and they might have to be doing a lot of cold calling or just some form of outreach, right? That That's changed a little bit these days. A lot of people trying LinkedIn and email, you know, cold email and stuff like that. Can you talk a little bit about, number one, what would you recommend someone doing today with cold outreach? Is, is cold calling still great? What do you, you know, what do you think of the electronic versions? And then number two, any tips for effective cold outreach? I would, I wouldn't advise people doing cold call. You know, another way if I would have do it all over again is, uh, I will look at you know, outside networking first of all, and then when you network, you got to be smart. For example, uh, whatever industry that you're in, you know, you have your ideal client. So first, you got to develop that first. Uh, maybe in the in the beginning you don't really know you started out, but then there are there gotta be you know a few ideal clients that I wish I had working with them, right? So think about what type of people will already have the relationship with them. Because if I call a CEO of a company right now, say I want to work with you, 
you know, they will probably hang up on me, mm-hmm. right? But then among those CEO who already will have access to them, for example, for me in promotional products, so I know other company who might be, a, for example, a graphic designer, you know, I usually work with the marketing department. So maybe they work with a, a ad agency, a PR agency who already have the relationship with them. So then I built my partners around these people, you know, by giving mm-hmm. them, you know, say, I want to work with you as a partner. So if I have a potential client who might need your service, I'll bring you along. But hopefully if I prove that I'm trustworthy and you like my work, and when you have something that you think I can help, then you bring me in. So by building partner, not only that you're working as your power right now, your power, your partner actually looking out for you. This is actually the way that I would suggest uh, for people right now, whatever industry that you're in, there got to be other people, other professionals that are have their mutual client that don't compete with you. So you got to mm-hmm. find those people wherever they are. And then, you know, you build a team together and then it, it's a lot better this way. Absolutely. Can you talk, Swire, a little bit about the first six to 12 months of that first business? And, and the reason I ask is I'm always so curious to hear about the experience of, of the first time entrepreneur, solopreneur, whatever you want to call it, and to kind of paint a picture to people who might be on the fence about starting a business of their own uh, about what it's like. You know, how, how long did it take you to get that first paying client? Uh, you know, what, what did those first six to 12 months look and, and feel like if you can take us back? Yeah, that's that's a strategy I still use uh, every single day is I respond quickly and I respond promptly, especially right now when you call, you know, for example, you know, even a regular size company, you don't get a call back. You get, you know, with technology, it's easy to do chats. It's usually do like inbound marketing, email marketing, then, uh, but you sometimes you want to talk to a human. You have a Mm -hmm. question that you wanted to address right away. So when you call that person, you want that person to pick up, not a uh, please dial one, please dial the extension, hold, we call you back or not anything like that. Because mm-hmm. the first couple of clients who want to work with me, I actually ask them, you know, ask your client if you started out after you finish the job and they're happy. Why, why did you work, you know, decide to work with me? They actually give you good feedback, especially for mm-hmm. the, the first 10 clients that sign on with you. Obviously, you have something that they like that they decided to work with you. I, I asked them that question. They said, you know, because you re, uh, uh, replied promptly and whatever question that I have, even you don't know the answer, you let me know. You know, a lot of times we email uh, your company that, you know, we are customer for, for a question. You don't get respond in a week. You know, right now we still have that. Sometimes I'll get mm-hmm. a rush job in, I answer and start the project already before the other company respond. Right. So being, on the point, being ready to your business uh, are very important because if you say, I'm going to do this, this is going to be my business. And then you got to put focus on it. Don't uh, you got to put really focus and respond to your client because we are only as good as, you know, our client think of us. You know, if you are the type of company who never respond, they might work with you once. And if you treat them like that, they're not going to return. You know, the more repeat client and people who buy from you all the time, that you have, the better your business will be. Absolutely. Especially in service-based businesses, which, you know, a lot, a lot of solopreneurs kind of start out as I'm in the legal industry and I gave, told this, uh, I gave a presentation last week to a law school and they asked what makes a really good lawyer. 
and I said, if you're a good communicator who responds promptly, you're already in the upper 50%, right? Because most lawyers are just god awful at that. So yeah, I mean, we could do a whole podcast on that in and of itself. Uh, so su super interesting to hear, Swire. So take us to the end of that first stage. You said around 2013, you guys were kind of noticing a shift. How did the sale of the company, I would say, how did the kind of scale and then ultimately sale of the company come about? Did this company that you sold to approach you? Did you go after them? I'm, I'm always interested to hear about that part of the process too. I think we sold at the high point. You know, we, you know, physical media around that point is kind of like uh, at the end of it, you know, we kind of saw uh, the internet is getting faster. Mm -hmm. Streaming is still kind of horrible uh, at that time, but we see that it's getting easier. You know, they don't, we don't have XD and, you know, it's still uh, hiccups along the way. But then uh, we built a really good presence in LA and we specialize in uh, custom one of a kind packaging. So if you guys remember those box sets with a toy and or with a gadgets in there, uh, you know, we, we have done that. You know, we've done a lot of them. So uh, the competitor always interested in what we do. They always try to poke around, try mm -hmm. to take me out for lunch and ask me for uh, advice how they could do that. You know, uh, around the time we said, you know, would you be interested in, you know, taking over the company? You know, mm -hmm. we're going to go out uh, to another ventures right now. If you like, um, uh, we'll get it to you. I think it's a fair deal, the, the price that they pay. And, you know, I'm sure that, you know, in, in that following, you know, few years, they probably make back what they, you know, purchase us for. So it's not that, you know, we sell, we sell them a lemon kind of mm -hmm. deal. Yeah. Well, and a deal like that, you kind of hope that it, it becomes a win-win, right? You guys get X amount of money. You're happy. You can go on to the next thing and they hopefully at the very least break even and uh, everyone can be happy. So, can you talk a little bit about what that sale was like in, in terms of, was it a long process? Was it short? You know, uh, people out there who might have businesses and maybe they're thinking about selling them, transitioning to a different industry. Would you give any advice to someone who's, you know, might be approaching an opportunity to sell their own company? I think we got lucky because they they are in the industry already. So, you know, we don't need to, you know, tell, teach them from, the beginning so right. obviously there's a different process uh, that we do and i kind of stay on as an advisor for a year so if they have any question or you know any hand holding specific instruction from client uh, they'll reach out to me and then i show them uh the process that we do in purchasing in mm -hmm. uh, the custom things that we do i don't think they they, they took all the um, process that we do uh, because obviously they have implemented their, their procedure. So uh, it's, you know, I'm teaching them all they would need and then to set them up for success. And then, uh, you know, we collaborate and then, you know, we try to um, identify the industry to see uh, with their approach, you know, what are the opportunities that they're not looking at right now that they should. So we mm -hmm. don't just want to sell and just move away. You know, we actually stay on to help them for success. I think that's the key of success for the doubt from the buyer. You know, if I buy from you, would you just take the money and run? And then I'll be left with all this that I didn't know what to do. Right, absolutely. Well, it sounds like a great experience uh, for hope, like you said, hopefully for both parties. And so what happened next? Did you, did you sign the agreement and, and you guys were off to the races on your next venture right away? Or how did that kind of transition period go for you? We took almost a year off, you know, we did some traveling and then, you know, we trying to find something to do. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, me and my wife are business partners. So when, when I said we, oh, we wow. asked me and her, yeah, we, we got into maybe business. You had, you, had a, uh, you had a less stressful honeymoon maybe too at that point. <laughs> no, she joined me uh, two years after I started the company. So she has oh, wow. another job before and, and asked her to join me and that was a good, you know, we're still business partner up to this day. So mm-hmm. um, then we decided, you know, what do we like to do? We like uh, what we call a reseller model. You know, when we do CDs, we are not the actual factory. You know, we resell, you know, what our printer and what the CD uh, replication plan, uh, we provide a service, we do a retail markup. So with the promotional product is the same too. You know, we have uh, the factories and having the bottles, you know, the you know items that we have, and then we locate the client that might have needs for that. And we mesh them together. And then, you know, we keep, uh, you know, the resale and hotel, wholesale price, the, the profits from it. Right. And so how did you narrow down into that specific niche slash industry? Like what was the what was the decision making or thought process like around that? We we have been doing t-shirts and other merchandise. So that's, uh, I mean, that's something that we already know how to do. And then we know already uh, the network that goes into it. So the the challenge in the beginning is to can we find the client base that we can count on? We actually found out that if you do uh, merchandise and promotional product in the entertainment industry, it's very difficult because everyone knows who they are. You know, everyone is going after them. But then we find out when we do some research onto it, there are companies that you are you never heard of will need products like that. For example. There'll be a local warehouse who have 500 people that do, uh, you know, plumbing pipes that you never heard of, mm-hmm. but then they do a lot of treasure. They have 500 employees that need uniforms, and then they do a lot of uh, education to their client that they need to give our products on. We actually found this is actually a really big industry. It still is. Uh, the trend are kind of shifting right now because we're not having mass gathering. We're not doing uh, uh, trade shows. But then there's still a lot of needs uh, if you know where to look. Right. Well, it, it's very interesting that you kind of take a, we'll call it a more well-known idea and then apply it to, you know, clients that might be off off the beaten path, so to speak. How did you go about proving that? And, and or maybe another way of asking is if, if there's someone right now, they're thinking about, you know, pulling the trigger, becoming their own boss, leaving their nine to five. How do you recommend that they try and maybe test the market or, you know, what did you guys do to confirm that this market actually existed before you went all in on it? I would assume that if you decided to start a business, this will be your passion, right? If you don't like something, don't get into it. Mm-hmm. You know, like it for a promotional product too, if, you know, give, using myself as an example, uh, I have different interests. I like health and uh, fitness. So a lot of the product that I offer to my client will fit into that theme. If you help me, uh, if you ask me to sell custom women narrow, which they're available mm-hmm. to, let's say colleges, you know, or to a uh, women's group, I couldn't do that. You know, I couldn't do golf product too. I don't know golf. So I actually picked that things that I know. And I asked myself that question, who will be my ideal client? You know, before you start any business, when mm-hmm. you're writing a business plan, you should at least write down five to 10 ideal client, uh, who they are, you know, write down their persona. And then that will answer all the questions that you probably have. How do I market to them? You know, what kind of product are we interested in? Because if you market, especially for a small company, if you market to the wrong 
super client, you're wasting money, you're wasting your time, and you probably won't stay in business for a long time because uh, you know, you might have a great product, they may not be able to buy your product or they don't have the money or time uh, to invest in your product. So got to find the ideal client, test the market, and then go back to find uh, who will be my power partner, referral partner that have already have access to these people. And then, you know, ask, you know, to have a meeting, open my open minded meeting with those people, and then tell the partner what you're trying to do, how you can benefit each other. And then, you know, if they like you, ask for an introduction, it's a lot better to get get a warm introduction from someone who knows your ideal client, than me picking up the phone and or LinkedIn, you know, try to spam them, uh, you get, it takes more time to get a partner, obviously, mm-hmm. and it takes less time to do a cold call. But then the result, uh, it's a lot better if you get a warm introduction. Yeah, absolutely. And I think probably a lot of people are thinking these days, they're thinking short sighted, like you said, oh, I'll just send quick messages, I can send 500 in the time it would take to build a partnership. But especially if you're doing services, and each client's value is so high, it's it's worth the time and the effort that you're, you know, like you're talking about, build those partnerships, give yourself the highest conversion rate of, of closing those clients. So absolutely agree, Swire. So can we talk about let's let's talk a little bit about scaling, right? You've you, you're now on your second business. You're you're still on your second business. What do you recommend people do, or or what was it like for you guys once you got that initial traction? You know, revenues are growing. Uh, do you have to build out build out a team? You know, how many people are you working with right now? What would you re- recommend people do? Maybe if they've never had to hire before, or never had to manage other people before. Well, on the on the second business, actually, uh, the funny way is, you know, we had employees. We have a team in the CD DVD replication business. Uh, in this business, we deliberately not going to have employees, and mm-hmm. you know, we are effective people with technology. Certainly helps, but then. Uh, tell you this story, you know, I went to an industry trade show, uh, you know, in Vegas, and then they have a, you know, workshop called how to double your sales without gaining a single client. So I, in, at first I was like, you know, how, how can that happen? But then I have a, an hour of, you know, before my next appointment. So I actually went in and sat down. So the idea was, you know, uh, to check right now your top 10 client, assuming they are, you know, bigger company that you can do more business with. Um, you don't really have to focus out, you can focus in. Mm-hmm. For example, if I work with a tech company, they, they bought from me for various, you know, trade show events that they have, usually from the marketing de- department, then I think, uh, other than the marketing department, are there any other uh, representative in there that could use my service? I do research, uh, and I do uh, a lot of uh, finding out for, for your ideal client. And then I found out that the HR department, uh, and then also the administrative department will have an, a lot of needs in, in my product. So I actually asked my contact from marketing department, can you uh, refer me to your HR department and your admin department? And they say, yes. What that is, is you know I'm growing within my client to be a bigger invoice and I already have the relationship. Let's say if you sell to a big business or something that are meaningful to you, uh, when you think about a corporate buying experience, uh, they don't want it to, their, their job is they're buying a lot of things. And the last thing they want to do is to try a new vendor and they mess up or they don't deliver. So mm-hmm. I already have the credibility from the marketing department. So by them referring to the other department is easier. 
and then they're already seen hopefully the, the products that we have so i was able to do that and i was you know in 2019 i was able to double my sales without really growing my client so you got to look at who you're you got to constantly look at who your top tens are if you can grow your business with the top 10 yes and then another way to do is can i clone the top 10 what industry they're mm -hmm. in are they have certain personality or are they have a special pain point that only you can solve so find out other people other company that have the same pain point and then you can basically clone your top 10 for example if you can clone your top 10 then you have now a top 20. how would that affect your bottom line so you're not really gaining like 500 clients you're only gain, gaining that top 10 but then right because they're a top 10 it, uh, it will affect your bottom lines a lot absolutely there's such great points i remember one of my favorite business books is uh from jay abraham and it's called getting everything you can out of all you've got and there was a whole bunch of really good information i highly recommend anybody read it who hasn't but he specifically talked about that too right you're already in the door right you've already spent all this time and effort closing sales with these clients especially if they're happy with you what else do they need who you know who else is a buyer within that organization so very good points. Swire, what would you recommend then for, you know, people who are not sure about there, there's very two, you know, two different paths we could take here, right? The let's just continue scaling my company, keep it super small. I don't have to worry about other people's salaries. I don't have to manage other people, et cetera, et cetera, versus building a big company, managing people, growing teams, et cetera, et cetera. Can you talk a little bit about the difference? Because you, you've done a bit of both. And uh, I, I'd love to hear you know your thoughts on both and maybe a little bit about some of that technology that you leverage if you have any favorite tools, any favorite websites to make running a business uh, easier, whether, whether you have employees or not. I think right now is a very nice time to be, you know, just with you by yourself, you know, with technology. Mm -hmm. Not saying that you don't have to hire anyone, you can actually have partners. You know, you can have uh, that work from you with, with right now with the dawn of technology, everyone has a webcam and we are very comfortable at mm -hmm. a virtual meeting. You can have a team. They're not bound to your uh, local presence. You can go as far as anywhere in the world that has the expertise that you're looking for, you know, uh, and right now for a small business, actually, <clears throat> we have an advantage before when you try, let's say you want to put on a big presentation to impress a lot of people that wanted to want them to buy your services, you might need to go to a you know, conference room, or you might book a hotel and a nice location, you know, feed them donuts, whatever that it is. And you know, that's a lot of expense. Um, but right now, with Zoom, you can do that basically with no cost, you have to mm -hmm. probably promote it, assuming that 100 people came, you got to probably pay a lot of money in a hotel room, but 100, 100 people on Zoom, you know, don't really cost you anything. Mm -hmm. So right now you can present as good as a big company, you know, right? You know, because if you want to try to target people, you might impress more people if you're a nice setting, right? You have nicer coffee, whatever that people serve. But mm -hmm. right now you have the same edge as a big company. If you make a good presentation, if you're on point, if your product right. and services are really better, then you could be as good as a good company, big company. So that's the, it's the really advantage that I see right now. But if you wanted to really grow your team and decided you have employees, uh, the advantage that you have is you could do more of different things. Because as a 
you know, small business, if you are by yourself, then you can only focus on a certain things until you exhaust yourself or you became not good and focused on one thing. But then if you have a team, obviously, if you decided these are the sectors or these are the ideas that we're going after, then you can have your colleagues or your employees to help help you on those tasks. So it just depends on who you think. And, uh, you know, with a growing business, you know, with my industry and in promotional product, uh, when I go to trade show, there's a lot of mom and pop. You know, mm -hmm. even the, the top company, I started with a husband and a wife's team. Don't know why, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of husband and wife. And, you know, if you see trade show and the networks, all husband and wife team, um, mm -hmm. then you could grow into a franchise or you can grow some way that you still keep a relatively small team. But then you can ask people who will be your distributor, who will be a reseller right now. Uh, there are people who like to have a lot of employees, but then you could still get a decent size and decent revenue. Uh, being small absolutely and especially with more of the gig economy the freelancers the upworks you know you, you you can find freelancers don't have to be necessarily bound to salaries and stuff like that so as you said definitely an opportune time to be a uh, solopreneur small shop etc etc so i want to spend the last few minutes kind of talking about the personal developments uh kind of side of of entrepreneurship how have you found it over the last, I mean, in your case now, it's been, what, 17 years? You've been you've been basically your own boss. Uh, I've been doing it for about three or four, so I've got catching up to do. But one of the harder things, at least for me, seems to be just keeping yourself motivated day in, day out, sometimes getting the dirty work done when, you know, you don't have other people to outsource it to. How do you keep yourself motivated? How, how do you, you know, for more of the personal development, uh, you know, keep yourself healthy, your mind, your body, all that kind of stuff. Well, let's just, you know, give the whole picture here. You know, you get frustrated. You know, there are points that, you know, you wish that, why am I doing that? You know, I'm, that's not my business. But then think about the experience. You know, my, my goal, I wish I know earlier, is to um, retain your client. You know, like we said, we already spend the time and sometimes we spend money to get those clients in the door how much efforts are we paying attention to those paying client? You know, if you have give that good experience, they will buy from you again. It's mm -hmm. a lot easier to have that conversation than, you know, you go out whatever that you do in marketing to find a new client. So a lot of company, let's say they're buying Google ads, you know, they might spend five to $50 for Google ads. But when I ask them, how much money do you spend on retaining a client? Most people don't. Or they want, yeah, just send them a pen, you know, but mm -hmm. you should spend more money actually retain your client, you know, show, uh, keep them updated on what you're up to, you know, things that uh, might impact them. Maybe you have a new product and services, but if you don't tell them, they might not know. People are not actively looking, but then if you let them know, uh, they might you know, turn into a bigger client than they already is right now. So I think uh, keep learning. And then I, I like really networking. I think I've said it, you know, before, because you can find different entrepreneurs, you can network with them. So ask them my, my usual question is, you know, like you like you asked me in the beginning, why did you start your journey? And what are some of the challenges that you overcome? So I think that will give you engagement because you can see people from different areas that you know, are, are interesting to you. Absolutely. I see a nice big uh, bookshelf behind you, Swire, and uh, I can't let you go without asking. Do you have a few, you know, maybe two, three books that you recommend? Could be in business, could be fiction, you know, and anything that's kind of helped you along your journey? 
Um, with books, I think it's one of the books it calls uh, sales docs. Uh, different traits of salespeople. You got to find out uh, what type of abilities you are and what kind of personality that you have. You know, for example, you have the alpha docs, you know, who likes to go out, network a lot and firm handshakes and, you know, they're aggressive, right? And then you have the, the base, uh, basket hound, like they're more shy and introverts, but then there are actually clients who prefer those people. Mm -hmm. You know, some of us are not responding well to aggressive people who want a firm handshake, we, we're backing away. So figure out what kind of personality that you have, you know, the book uh, mentioned, will help uh, you being a sales. I'm somewhat in the middle. So I actually found, you know, good ways and develop the strategies we have because you don't want to force yourself to do something that you don't want to. And I think uh, sales stock uh, actually, you know, point out a lot of the ideas that I have in there. Awesome. I'll have to check that out. I haven't read that one, but it definitely sounds interesting. What would you say, Swire? This is uh, kind of my last question here. Two or three pieces of advice that you would give to someone right now. Maybe they're working a nine to five. They're, you know, they're really seriously thinking about starting their own business or someone has just started their own business. They're going through, you know, the tough beginning stages. They're really going through the grind. What are two or three pieces of advice that you would give to these people? Well, depending on where you are, you know, for example, in uh, Los Angeles, I find out later on that there are actually uh, free mentoring services provided by, you know, the, the government agency. So they have, uh, they can, they will match you with a mentor, Look, find a mentor, obviously. So ideally they find out something that who have done what you have done before. Uh, I, I, I was lucky enough in the CD uh, industry, I found a mentor who uh, was retired. Uh, he found Record Plant, who uh, was a recording studio who recorded uh, the Beatles and Jimi Hendrix. Mm -hmm. And the owner uh, was retired and then he likes to give back to people. So it was it was a perfect match. So I, I tell him all the questions that he could relate to. Uh, do you find out a mentor? You don't have to pay for a mentor. You know, look for the resources, maybe in a chamber of commerce or maybe in uh, if you're in here in the United States, there is a, a SBA uh, or SBDC, you know, or there are mastermind group right now online. You know, there join a Facebook group for people who are in similar industry and then continue to look for the partner that you can rely on, that you can trust with. Then with partner that I have, I can go after a bigger client. You know, with my mm -hmm. capability, there's so much I can do and so much I can do as a small business. But if I partner that could solve all the question in terms of marketing for my client, then I'm getting the whole campaign. You know, then mm -hmm. we have more pricing power. We have more negotiation power. And then the client relied on our team a lot better. So I think uh, when you first started out, look for like-minded individual, you know, join groups, you know, go networking. And then, uh, you know, do you find out and seek for mentorship uh, whenever that you think that person can can help you along your way? Absolutely. Definitely agree. And a quick plug, we do have the Solopreneur Grind Slack group. So if anyone's interested, we have a free group, good group of people who are kind of talking about and, and helping each other through the grind. So I really appreciate you coming on the show. If people want to learn more about you or your business or get in touch, where do you recommend that they go? Well, just look me up, you know, name of our company is Garuda Promo. And then you can also find out uh, things that I do. Just put in my whole name in a Google search. Swaiho hashtag the promo guy. Awesome. And we'll link to the website and any uh, some other socials and stuff like that for you as well, Swire. Thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Josh.
Hey everyone, Josh here checking in just one last time to say thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. I also wanted to say if you want even more of this business insight and motivation right to your inbox Monday through Friday, make sure to sign up for the Solopreneur Grind email list. What I did was I started a list to give solopreneurs a super quick email every Monday through Friday into your inbox. That's all it is, one quick quote to motivate you and help you get through the day because I know how tiring and long and difficult and stressful some of those solopreneur grinds can be. So if you're interested, sign up at the link in the description or solopreneurgrind.com and I hope to have you on the list. Thanks again. Take care.